1: On this episode of The Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, we talk some OU football by giving you some summer workout updates, and we talk the Dime Time Retreat. Then Andrew Sleck from The Athletic joins us to discuss the 2022 NBA draft and gives us some predictions of what he thinks the OKC Thunder may do. We finish up with our winners and losers of the week, which, of course, we talk some OU baseball. Please download it and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right? Our man Michael Hoste will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's beautiful Thursday, June 23rd, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including blackjack, blackjack match, roulette, and Teddy's favorite, craps. No matter what your game, everyone has it in spades and hearts. And the Beats and Bites Festival is rolling. Randy Rogers' band on July 9th with fireworks after the show. It's $5 general admission, and kids under 12 get in free. There will be a ton of food trucks, all kinds of things for the kiddos to do, including face painting and an inflatable obstacle course. To buy tickets, visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now recording this Wednesday night. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it. Also, we are finalizing our sponsorships for football season. So if you want to sponsor the podcast, you can email theokalomabreakdown at gmail.com. Ted, June is supposed to be our slow time. What the hell is OU
2: Baseball doing? I know, dude. I'm just kidding. Let's go. Content, baby. Let's do this. Awesome. Uh, we, so much fun. We will, we will talk about OU
1: Baseball and winners and losers. Um, just, I'm, I'm going to ruin it for you. Uh, they're going to be Teddy's winner. So we'll talk about, <laughs> we'll talk about OU Baseball uh, heading to the, the College World Series Championship Series there. We're also going to some NBA draft talk. The NBA draft, if you're listening to this on Thursday, the NBA draft is tonight, and it's an important one for the Oklahoma City Thunder. We've got Andrew Schleck from The Athletic, who is on like 18 different NBA podcasts, including Down to Dunk, one of my favorite Thunder podcasts. So we've got him to talk some NBA draft, and he's a very knowledgeable man when it comes to basketball.
2: So Yes, he's done his research. Um, Very well-informed. Great stuff, man
1: he told us and this what this isn't in the interview but he has access to synergy sports he said they can organize the film of like each prospect by play type like if type he wants in, to yeah. if he wants to watch the guy as a ball handler in the pick and roll he can just touch a button and it pulls up every clip of that guy when he's the ball handler and pick and roll. So I was like, Oh, that's why you sound so smart. You've literally watched every single clip of each of these guys in each of these situations.
2: It's crazy analytics, man. That's the, that's the future of the sport. And the more you can break down the film and you see it in football as well. Um, you know, there's, there's a million different ways that you can dissect the film. It's just wh- how, how much you want to do. Cause every every input requires each play to be organized into all these different criteria. If you want to put in the work, you can break it down as far as you want. It's really cool.
1: Yeah. But let's start with what we always start with Oklahoma football. Ted, we got to start here. We, we've got some more information on the custom suits for the players. Um,
2: Good. We need to clear this up. uh, Shout
1: out to my man, Seth from Q clothier. Who, uh, who reached out to me, gave me some of the info on what went down. So Q Clothier is the company that did the suits. Uh, that, is, that is where I go and get my jackets. It's nice stuff. It's good stuff. So the players got to choose between 15 fabrics, some solid, some loud. They got to pick out the lining, of the suit they got to pick out the lapels they got to pick out the pocket on the suit they got fully custom measurements on the suit and I was told that all these guys had a great time doing it and I mean this in a good way took it very seriously like they were excited but also like they wanted them to get those measurements right they, these dudes want to look good in this custom suit but I the guys that I talked to, not sure when they will wear them, I uh, guess in home games or a banquet or something like that. But I'll tell you this right now, man. Q Clothier makes some good stuff. They want to sponsor the pod. Come on, Q Clothier. Let's do it. But yeah. it is I, – I didn't think it was going to be like men's warehouse or anything like that. But when I found this out, I was like, damn, that's a nice free suit.
2: Think about that. Uh, congratulations to your guy, Seth. Can you imagine getting the call? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need a hundred custom suits. Yeah, that's, we can do that. <laughs> that's a nice phone call to get. Uh, Congratulations to them. That's a, that's a hell of an order there. But it's cool, man. I love it. Uh, I like that the guy's going to be looking sharp. The problem is, not necessarily a problem, but football players tend to uh either swell or shrink quite a bit right depending on what's going on like hey Gabe we're gonna need you to move from tight end to offensive line and put on 50 pounds (laughs) this this is true
1: when when I played in the NFL I did not buy any nice suits not one because I knew once I was done that I was gonna lose weight I knew that so I was like I'm not gonna waste my money on you know some thousand dollar suit like absolutely not i i would go to i went it's not a, i went to one of those like buy one get five free joseph a bank things and load yes. it up i swear nice and and that's and that's what i wore when i was paid now i got them tailored and they looked like they fit well my one of my mottos is reasonably priced suit great tailor and it worked out for me, but yeah, no, I wasn't because I knew there's some of these guys They this suits get made. It ain't going to fit in six months.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But I don't know. Uh, I wonder if it's like a rainy day, uh, policy on, unlike getting your car washed that if you gain or subtract 50 pounds, you get to be uh remeasured for a new suit. Probably not, but it's still really cool, man. I'm I'm glad those guys get to do that. That's big time to be able to look sharp, job interview, um, awards, banquet, you know, all kinds of different stuff that those guys are going to. It's awesome.
1: Yeah. All right. Got some some summer workout stuff that, I, you know, caught up with a couple uh, of guys that are playing, that are still playing at OU right now. Uh, we were just kind of chopping it up and got some, Got some workout stories, a couple things that i I don't remember doing, and I don't think you did it either.
2: Quads you ha- do you remember this? Was this a thing when you were there? Because it wasn't a thing when I was there. I don't know so what is, is it just uh, four groups running at the same time? So this is how I understand it.
1: They call it quads. You got two. Two running groups, right? So in in your workout group, you divide your group into two. And basically, one group runs a half gasser. So Mm -hmm. over and back across the field. Then once group one finishes, immediately group two runs a half gasser. When group two gets back, group one goes again. So they do three half gassers each. So group one, group two, group one, group two, group one, group two. And then they immediately go and run a 60-yard shuttle in 15 increments. So 15 yards and back, 15 yards and back, no break. And they do it a couple times. And I said, that sounds awful.
2: Yeah, that's pretty bad. But it is – It's very functional, it sounds like to me. It's like playing it, football. It's, it's one-to-one work to rest and super intense, quick break. Super intense, quick break. And, you know, you, you push that and then you get that final little burn on the shuttle, which can't imagine what the legs feel like at that point. And it's building that anaerobic capacity because whenever you're running out an all-out sprint, you're not building the aerobic. You're really sucking into that anaerobic system, and uh, that's what they need. They need to be able to really develop that, and that sounds like, that sounds like that'll get it done.
1: Yeah, that sounds like uh, the quads uh, situation is a Tuesday activity, and, Ted, you'd be glad to know Friday's still the worst day of the week. Now it's the best when you're done but that where it's it's still brutal it, it's the day they're pushing sleds they're doing the thing which i always hated where you've got like the pop-up dummy like the heavy one and you're just having to like drag it backwards back pedal, like back yeah. pedal which is just awful they are they're taking the hex bar you know the one you can stay in the middle of yep 315 pounds farmer carrying that thing up and down. <laughs> <laughs> that would that would made me giggle when they told me about that one, and then this is this this was one of my favorite doing a little like uh you you remember uh, shift drill right in coaches stations five yep. and back ten and back, back fifteen 10, and back, back, back fifteen yeah yeah like a suicide right like a mini suicide so you go five yards back ten yards back fifteen yards back they're racing with those and then the winners get to watch the do, watch the losers do like partner wall sits. They said they've gone brutal. as long as, like, three minutes. I was like, oh, oh my wow. God.
2: That's brutal. That's brutal. Yeah, I was wondering whenever you said the three half gassers then a 60-yard shuttle, if if that was the five-back, 10-back, uh, 15, because that's the 60-yard shuttle. But you said they were just doing it in 15s, 15 I, down and back? I, I, I was told both. Oh, okay.
1: So I think that it is – there there's some 60 yard shuttles being had. I know that, but it sounds, it sounds like these guys are having some fun, man. And I will say this, you know, just talking to these guys and I said, guys, I'm not, I'm not trying to put you in a bad mood or anything, but you guys haven't run ramps yet. And they're like, no, I was like, Oh boy.
3: <laughs>
1: I was like, you? I, I made it very clear after 4th of July be ready Friday. Be ready. Cause they're coming. And also no stadiums. Cause remember the stadiums that we grew to absolutely despise. That South end zone does not exist anymore. That right. is now all super nice. And it's sweets. Well,
2: the South end zone was designed. I think the architects, uh, had running stadiums purely in mind whenever they designed that. Cause rarely do you find such a long, and increasingly uh, steep as you get higher uh, stadium. They're usually kind of shorter with double decks above them, just kind of like the, the east and the west side are. Uh, that's interesting. You know, I wonder, I wonder if they'll get back on the ramps over there. There's a method to doing it. You know, there's a method to, to breaking it down and, and running the ramps. But you're right. Fourth of July tends to be a shifting gears phase move on from one little circuit that you've kind of been doing and move into something else. It's kind of same thing in the weight room too. Um, you know, whether you've been heavy bench, you may move to start doing more heavy incline. Uh, you may move from back squat to front squat, something like that. Um, you know, there's, it tends to be a little bit of a, of a transition whenever you come back for that second half.
1: Yeah. Um, July sucks.
2: So be smart over the 4th of July, boys. Be smart. A water in between the beers <laughs> it would be my advice. Hydrate,
1: gentlemen. Okay, one last so you football thing to talk about. The Dime Time Retreat. And listen, I'll say this, this looked awesome, right? I mean, you got your starting quarterback taking a group of the other quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs, tight ends. You go to the lake, you you run some routes, you throw the ball around a little bit,
2: even in the clip. Like, first of all, whoever did the video, fantastic work. I was Uh, wondering about that. Was that an OU thing? Was that the OU crew that did that? I I don't know. We could probably ask and find out. Well done.
1: I think a lot of those video guys and gals listen to this. So, guys, let us know.
2: (laughs) Right? Yeah, it was. It was impressively shot and edited. You, yes.
1: So I know a lot of people want us to talk about. Okay, eh, a couple guys weren't there. Like, where was Braden Willis? Where was Theo East? Guys. Maybe they just wanted to enjoy the weekend and they didn't want, like, you don't understand what these workouts are like. Like if somebody was like, no, man, I just want to lay in bed and like sit on my couch. I completely understand that. I don't know if that's what happened there, but some people are trying to make a really big deal of like Theo Weiss and Braden Willis and a couple of those guys not being there. I was like, I, I promise you it's not a big deal.
2: Yeah, it may have been the guys that had a hard time on Fridays with the, uh, the hex bar possibly, or maybe the sleds suffering some consequences from those workouts.
1: I heard because remember they got Monday off cause of Juneteenth, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, new national holiday. And so I, I believe Tuesday was now Wednesday and it didn't sound like med ball went very well for, uh, for the offensive line and defensive line. It, it sounded like they got the come back. come back at three 30, please.
2: Yeah. The med ball is just do it right. The first time guys, it's much I know, better. I promise. It seems. It, I know people listening right now say, are saying really med ball sit-ups. How could that be hard? It is. It, it's, It. It sets the tone. you know what type of day it's going to be right away?
1: I, I don't know if <laughs> – it's hard to describe, like, the anxiety when you sit on the turf to start that. <laughs> yeah. Like,
2: you're or nervous s- to throw wor- a med ball to another it, guy. Yeah, the worst thing about it is in the panic and in the scramble, you realize that whoever your typical med ball partner is – like rolled an ankle the day before and they're not there or something. And now in the scramble, you have to find a new partner. And it, that, that game right there, you have to know each other, use the same partners every time, because if you get a bad partner that can't throw it to you on time and quickly, it's going to totally destroy your rhythm and you're going to be in pain and this not going is- to be able to finish. And you're going to be back at three 30. It,
1: this is what med ball does. It scars us It's been a long time since we've done these workouts. And it's, we're still like, Oh my gosh. And it distracts the ankle us. hook. The, you have got to do the ankle hook. Hard ankle hook is the key. I'm pretty sure I have a bone spur in my right
2: ankle from You're doing just, those yes. feet in behind the other guy's leg, but
1: back to the dime time retreat looked, looked like a lot of fun. Uh, it's, it, it's really nice for those guys to get away what they're going through right now is I wouldn't categorize it as fun. Now it, it's productive and they're growing they're getting bigger and faster and stronger, but it can, it can be a little rough on the psyche. So to see th- this is, this is something like professional quarterbacks do right. What Dylan Gabriel pulled off here, right? Get your guys together. Uh, the com- camaraderie, the brotherhood, you eat some food, drink some drinks and, you know, throw the ball around a little bit and, you know, swim around in the lake. Like, it's it is, it's cool to see him be that type of leader, right? And I think it says a lot about his leadership style and how, how he carries himself. So I, I was pretty impressed by that because that was a lot of guys, man. That's a lot of dudes to take to the lake.
2: Yeah, and the other thing is, I mean, it's weird saying this, but it's what it's become. It looks good on social media. I mean, as good as it is for him to do and to build that camaraderie and, you know, be the quarterback of the team, it also shows really well for Oklahoma football. It's like, dang, that looks like fun. I'd like to be a part of that. And, you know, there's there's a method to that madness. There's a reason why it's all beautifully shot, beautifully edited in a great location. You know, you got drones flying over and it makes it look like Oklahoma is a very desirable place to go play football.
1: It it did. And I will say. Where were the offensive linemen? Well, you know, uh, no, yeah, yeah, no, dude. No, no, wait, no. You, you, what? Would they have drank too much beer and you can't film it? Is that? Yeah, I was. That's that's probably the most. Now, things may have changed. When I was playing college football and we went to the lake, I got hammered. Full disclosure. Now, I was responsible. I wasn't driving a car. I wasn't driving a boat. I was riding on a boat and I was just walking places, or getting in a Uber, or a Cab, or whatever the hell we were using back then. But the, maybe the most impressive thing about this entire thing is there is not a single alcoholic vessel in this video.
2: Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yes, where the offensive line are. This is the Instagram model shoot, right? You, Nothing would really You don't want Ray and look,
1: Harrison and
2: all those guys shirtless in your I don't, group pick? Come on, man. I don't want Rame with a belly shirt and the cutoff uh, uh, football pants that sinners wear on shorts day. Oh yeah. The white ones. Yeah. Oh. I don't want him in the picture ruining how glamorous the whole thing looks. It looks great. It, it almost looks like the, the top gun scene on the beach, right? Everyone sweating, chiseled abs, running routes, beautifully shot. You can't throw a sloppy offensive lineman into that. How dare no you? no offense. No offense. How
1: dare you? <laughs> maybe, maybe I I'm gonna find a way. <sighs> someone, let's find a loophole to where I could take the offensive lineman to the lake. And glamour shoot it. And life.
2: glamour, and we guys if, with like a tub of potato salad. I am I am motion. dead
1: serious. If we can get a corporate sponsor for it, I know I, I've got a place we can stay. Or I say that, hopefully my wife's aunt and uncle say okay. I I can I can I think I can handle it. We just need some sponsorship and we can turn it into an NIL thing.
2: Glamour shoot it.
1: Yeah, oh yeah. We're getting a photographer and slow a slow motion
2: fat guys running on the beach. It'd be awesome. That'd be yes. hilarious. I want to do it so
3: bad. Oh,
1: honey, I'm going to leave you and the baby for the the weekend. Yeah, I'm taking the O-line to the lake. What? (laughs) Just, I'll I'll explain it. I'll explain it later. All right, let's finish finish the OU football stuff with Call Your Shot. We asked you guys, what did you think of the Dime Time Retreat video? And got some interesting responses. Some people wondering where a couple guys are. Like I said, I I don't think you should – Read too much into that. This one comes from at Maverick two, two, eight, zero on Twitter, who says general booty has freaking meat hooks for hands and Jaleel Farouk looks like a middleweight boxing champion. So this damn it, this kind of goes into what you're saying. People are looking at how good these guys look <laughs> in the picture. Yeah. General booty. He does have a, that, that's a big hand on that kid. And then wait a second. Was that his thumb? That is his. Yeah, it. it yeah, that's a. That's a big. If you're watching on YouTube, that is a. That's a big mitt. Is that a? Is that a? Is that a youth football?
2: My goodness, booty! Wow, that's that's weird. <laughs> that's weird. That's in, in a good way. Yeah. In a good way.
1: And uh, this other one comes from at sooner for Venables, who says. I think that it was a great chance for those quarterbacks and wide receivers to build some camaraderie outside of the practice field. And I, I, I completely agree. I think, I think that I, I know it looks good. I know it looks great on social media. Uh, I know that you know, some people may say, oh, that's what a quarterback's supposed to do. Well, he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to get that organized, but he did. And I'm a firm believer that everything matters. It all adds up. Um, to, to how, and it all affects how you end up playing on Saturdays. And I think this is it's a really positive thing that these guys went and did.
2: Yep. There's no doubt about it. We throw around the, the team building and the camaraderie a lot, but it's, it's just a simple fact of sports. Teams, I mean, look at the OU baseball team. Teams that like each other, teams that hang out with each other, teams that get along really well, play better. Um, Always say that you'll, it's just our nature as humans. You'll always be able to accomplish more for someone else than you will be for yourself. And whenever you can build that as a group, you, you, you find something special. And the more people that are involved, the more people that feel that way, There's no outsiders, there's no cliques, there's no um, animosity. I mean, there's going to be stuff, right? You got 100 guys, but the tighter you can be, the better it is for everyone.
1: Absolutely. All right. Time for birthday shout-outs. Happy 14th birthday to Chloe Brock. Happy 21st birthday to Jake Burton. Happy 30th birthday to Karen Natividad. Happy 30th birthday. Did I, did I nail that? I think I nailed it.
2: You did. Happy 30th birthday to Ricky Stover. Happy 35th birthday to Jared Clark. Happy 35th birthday to Ryan Williams. Happy 36th birthday to Josh Stevens. Happy birthday to Sheldon Lee and shout out to Mike and Tommy Lee.
1: We got a couple late additions. Welcome to the world. Bear Michael Atkinson, whose dad beat me in the Oklahoma State Championship in 2009.
2: Ooh, football, football. Ouch.
1: Yeah, it's okay. It's fine. And then happy birthday to Jordan Dunn. Glenpool had a better team than us, man. Yeah. A, there's no shame in it. It's fine. No shame. It happens. Okay, let's get to our interview with Andrew Schleck, but first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 600 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places, whatever your road trip needs are. Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including, yes, my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fan. Fantastic. Love's all says you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile to go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Love's Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. Use the Love's Connect app on my way home. It was great. It's fantastic. Awesome. It also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Love's Travel Stops. For a full list of what Love's has to offer, visit Loves. .com.
2: And Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma breakdown merchandise. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, go to OpolisClothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S Clothing.com and use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. You still get a discount on all of the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. That's OpolisClothing.com and use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft, and 10% off
1: and make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic high school. Bishop McGinnis Catholic high school has a long tradition of educational excellence with a 12 to one student to teacher ratio. No student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit BMCHS.org. Remember, financial aid is available. All right, let's talk some NBA draft with Andrew Schleck. It is our pleasure to be joined by a man who he, he works and writes for The Athletic. He is the host of the Down to Dunk podcast, which is an absolute go-to for any OKC Thunder fan. And he hosts like 15 other podcasts. Andrew Sleck's in the house. What's going on, man? You're a busy guy. Thanks for making the time.
0: Yeah, uh, I was glad to. I was really excited whenever you asked me. Yeah, it's an insane time. I mean, I'm just on podcasts or editing podcasts or writing all day. I've been been grinding since about 9 a.m. So let's just keep this going. It's the best time of the year. It's got to be
2: difficult. (laughs) The NBA is always one of the drafts that has so many different moving parts. Yeah. And I I don't know if some years are easier than others, but I mean, it's, it's so hard to get a grasp on sometimes right up until the the moment that the first picks taken.
0: This is a tough one in particular, because there's not a clear number one. And then once you kind of get past four, it's really beauty in the eye of the beholder kind of situation because there's a lot of guys in that range that are about the same level of talent, but they do so many different things and they play different positions. And it's, it's going to be a really fun night. It's going to be a fun NBA draft for sure. So before we kind of get into
1: what, what the thunder may do uh, with with these first round picks, you've sat in on a lot of these interviews with the prospects when they've had media availability and what is up with all these kids being grown up Thunder fans or saying they want to come to OKC? Like, are we cool now? Is Oklahoma City cool? What is happening,
0: man? Uh, This is the Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant effect, right? We forget these were kids whenever Russ and KD were at the height of their powers. Now, there's some unique stories out there with some of these guys. Like Jeremy Sohan was a Thunder fan in part because he was born in Oklahoma and the first NBA game he ever saw happened in london when the thunder went over there and played one year they just played like the one-off game over there and so that was a part of his story but then you just have like the other random guys that like like johnny davis grew up like just loving the thunder just like this random kid from wisconsin but it's just because of russ and kd and it's it's really weird and it makes me feel really old to think about like that kind of stuff coming full circle
2: in the with the nfl Anytime you ask a player about where they'd like to get drafted, it's like you're not getting an answer. Yeah. It's just, it's, oh, it doesn't matter. It's anywhere. You may be able to pry out of them where they were, who they were a fan of whenever they were, they're growing up or recently, or maybe a scheme set that matches up maybe well with their talents. But it's really hard to pry it out of anyone. Is it the same thing with the NBA?
0: Yeah. I mean, you're not getting a lot of anything out of these guys right now. The, the interviews are only for guys in different markets, asking the players if they've worked out for their team and that's what they're for, (laughs) you know, guys that are trying to get stuff for stories. It's like, come on, man. Like, no, you're not getting a story out of this. Like you should just stop. (laughs) Um, because you're just like, did you work out for the team? Some of the guys are just flat on unwilling to say who they've worked out for. I'm like, well, that's a thunder guy right there. Um, (laughs) And if, but you can get them to talk a little bit about what the workouts were like. And that's, that's about it. And then you can like see like a glimmer of what their personality is like some, and really the guys that are, are really good. You can get a really good feel for that. And the guys that are really bad, you're like, Oh gosh, like this is really awkward. They, they've had no media training. They don't know how to answer our questions. And this is, this is just outright awkward. So there's been a few of those but most of these kids are actually really good. So
1: it is, it's clear that this is viewed as a, a, a three man draft right at the top. Now yeah. I, I think this draft has, has quite a bit of depth uh, when you talk to people that, you know, that are studying this closely like yourself, but Jamari Smith, Chet Holmgren, Paolo Bancaro out of those three guys, Who's your guy, right? Because I know with how how involved you are, you know, covering the draft and studying these prospects,
0: you've got a favorite guy. Out of those three guys, who's yours? It's Chet. He's definitely my favorite prospect. He's the weirdest prospect in a long time. And to me, if you're going to be, if you're going to swing for the fences with a prospect, they better be different in some way. Because if you think about the guys that have come in and changed the league, I mean, a lot of guys in the past have been like, oh, well, they're going to be the next Michael Jordan. Like, when did that ever actually work? You know, there was never like a next this guy. The guys that came in and changed the league were just so different. I think about like Steph Curry. When Steph Curry came into the league, people didn't know what to do with Steph. They're like, oh, he's this little shooter that's not really a point guard and he's not really going to help you get into offense, but he shoots it well. Is he just like super Eddie house? Like, what is that what he is? So people didn't know. And, <laughs> and then you think about Giannis. Well, Giannis was like unknown for a lot of reasons, but even like the first like couple of years of him being in the league, people were like, well, if he doesn't shoot the three, then things aren't going to work out for him. Like the dude's got a ring and he's still not very good at shooting because pe- people didn't know what to do with that style of player. Like, well, maybe he can be Kevin Durant. Well, no one can be Kevin Durant. Like everybody stopped trying to compare people to Kevin Durant. No one's going to be Kevin Durant. So I think Chet's the most different out of all these guys. I think you can find guys that are similar to Jabari, similar to Paolo, but Chet's this seven-footer who is going to be one of the best rim protectors in the league. He was one of the best players in transition in college basketball last year, and that wasn't just you know grabbing the ball and going and dunking it. I mean, he would pull up from three in transition, and then it's it's so hard to imagine what he's going to be at the NBA level as an offensive player just because that he didn't get a ton of opportunities. Like, that was Drew Timmy's team. And Drew ran the every, everything through him. And so with Chet, you wonder what it will look like in the half court if he does end up on the Thunder. But I think he's got the potential to shoot from three. He has incredible touch. He, shoot, he shot like 80% at the rim, which guys don't do that. And I know people are worried about... The, the, the biggest thing is if he just looks quasi normal, we're not having these conversations like he's the number one pick. But the fact that he just looks goofy, people don't know. People are just like, I don't know. Look at him. Just look at him. He can't be the first pick. We can't put him on the on an NBA court. Like, are you kidding me? I mean, that's to me, that's the biggest hurdle for everybody. I think people see him and they're like, ah. Oh, man Sean Bradley will kind of look weird too maybe he's Sean Bradley it's like well that's that's not a good comp. well Chris Saps Porzingis he's white blocks shots and shoots threes he's got to be just Chris like well no that's an, another bad comp the hardest thing for people is I, imagining what a guy who doesn't have a good comp is going to be in the NBA and then making them the number one pick it was easier with Zion because he was just a monster and I was like oh my gosh like look at that guy he's like this physical freak that's 260 pounds and can jump out of the gym, but Chet, he's this skinny white American kid that has one of the most unique skill sets ever. And he looks funny. He doesn't do himself any favors. He got on the zoom with like his hair puffed out, like all the way. It's like, man, you just, <laughs> you're just leaning into it. Aren't you? Like that's, it's so to me, I, I just think if he had just a normal look about him, we're just talking about him as the number one pick period, but Jabari looks the part, Paolo looks the part, so it's easier for people to picture what they're going to be in the league.
2: I I keep seeing it. I keep hearing it. I keep reading it that Chet is a good rim protector, will be a good rim protector in the NBA. I just can't see it. There's not another rim protector that looks like that. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing to block shots in college basketball. It's another thing to be in the paint, blocking shots, being a rim protector in the NBA. There's that's where the animals play. And, you know, I, I don't know. I just, am I, am I crazy for seeing, looking at it and saying, I don't know. That looks like a guy that's going to hang around the three point line a little bit more than it is hanging around the rim, protecting guys driving to the hole.
0: I think, I think I would agree with you if, if his personality, if he wasn't so driven and like willing to prove to people that he can do more, because he did it a ton at Gonzaga where he wanted to be around the bucket just because he could finish everything around the basket. His arms are longer than just about everybody's. He also has really learned how to create a wide base to give himself some more strength. Like He's not, a, he's not weak. He's really skinny, but he's not weak. And he figured out ways to leverage his lower body so that he just didn't get pummeled every time. I mean, it's it's funny because I think a lot of people will point to like the first matchup with Paolo Munkero and be like, he just got destroyed. Paolo got him once. And then he tried that on Chet a few other times and couldn't make it happen. I mean, he's got 60 pounds plus on him. And Chet figured out what he wanted to do and he wouldn't let him do it the rest of the night. But people won't show you those clips. People will show you the clips of Paolo Duncan on him and moving him out of the way. But people won't show you whenever Chet figured it out that Chet stopped him on multiple occasions, him trying to do the same thing. So to me, and also NBA defenses, it's rarely, especially in the post, a one-on-one game. It's a team-oriented defense. And the Thunder are... I mean, Mark Degnault did a really good job with the defense last year, and they don't have—they had have maybe one good individual defender on the team. And for portions of last season, they were in the top half of the league on defense. They had no business being the top half of the league on the defense. They didn't have any good rim protectors. They just had a good defensive scheme and some decent athletes and guys that are willing to play. And Chet, I think you plug him in there. I think you can compare him a little bit to like what Rudy Gobert was when he came into the NBA, super skinny guys would drive right at him. And he proved to them over and over again, like, you shouldn't do that because I'm going to block your shot. And Rudy, you know, multi-time defensive player of the year. I think that that body type is going to be similar. Like Rudy's not giant. He's still pretty skinny. And, you know, part of the reason that the Thunder lost in the first round a few years ago was because Rudy deterred Russ from going to the rim, you know, and I think that Chet's going to be similar. It's going to take some time. There's no doubt. And the Thunder probably almost prefer it that way, that this next guy is going to take some time because I think they would like to get another high draft pick next year. However, I do think that he's got the highest ceiling amongst all these guys just because he has such a unique skill set that could really blossom into something that we have really never seen before. Do you
1: anticipate Chet being the pick at number two?
0: I do. Yes. Yeah, I do. I would be surprised if they went in another direction.
1: You look at, you look at those three guys, right? Jabari, Chet, and Paolo. Is there any chance Sam Presti pulls some sort of ultimate Sam Presti guy and selects someone other than those three guys and if he did something like that who who may be kind of that wild card
0: I mean, the only guy that you could take outside of those three is jaden ivy i mean six foot four fast as lightning can get to the rim whenever he wants has a pretty good mid-range game a developing outside shot but the speed and athleticism you can't that and you can't just go get that so there's a chance there's been some smoke on the thunder really liking him i don't know if they like him as like their first pick or if they like him as a guy that they would go get with a bunch of assets at four i'm not really sure but he would be the guy i have a really hard time believing that that's gonna happen though because you look at what happened after the all-star break and there was this a big ordeal about shea and giddy and who's who's going to have the ball and who's the primary ball handler well mark told the media that that giddy's going to be handling the ball more and you know shea came out and said well that's not my plan A." and it was like this whole big deal about who's going to have the ball who's going to have it most of the time what's going to happen here or there it's really the only time that i've seen shea even ruffle have ruffled feathers at all you know since he's been here it was like you know what i would would rather it just be me is is what he was telling us. And then you're going to add another guard that needs the ball. I mean, a lot of people are like, well, Jaden Ivy is going to play off the ball. I really don't think Jaden Ives is going to play off the ball in the NBA. I mean, if you look at the play types that he had, the two most common play types that he had at Purdue were pick and roll ball handler and transition. In both cases, he's got the basketball in his hands. I mean, that's I think that totals up to 50% of what he was doing at Purdue. So to say, like, oh, he'll just be off the ball. Well, he really wasn't very effective off the ball at Purdue last year. He's not that great of a shooter. So you're going to put him on Oklahoma City. To me, I don't know if you can start those three together. I don't know really how that works. To me, if they took Jaden Ivey, it would be they trade down to, to four. They pick up a 2023 first-round pick that is either, like, top one protected or unprotected. And you signal to the fan base – we value the 23 draft more than we do any of these guys. And we're not going to be very good next year because we're giving Mark Degnault the biggest headache that a coach could ever have. And like, we're giving him these three guys, these three young guys that are hungry want to prove that they're the guy and we're going to make him figure it out, you know? So that's, I have a hard time believing that they're going to do that because the situation that they have now is like, you've got two really good guards. You've got some other pieces developing around them and you have, virtually no talented big men and this is a draft with talented big men at the top it would just be strange to me if that's the direction that you go
2: Uh, I want to go back to to Chet uh for a second which I'll just tell you it's it's the only one guy that I want them to draft because I'm not really sure and I think it is just interesting to watch you know Mm -hmm. um and you said that maybe they don't want, they want a bit of a project. I don't know if that's the right word, but maybe something that's not just instant because you like to possibly be in a similar spot next year. Mm -hmm. But what is, what is the timeline? Because I know these days, like whenever you, sorry that I compare everything to the NFL, but it wasn't very long ago that whenever you took a, a rookie quarterback in the first round, the expectation was, sit a year or two until you're ready and then take over. That's gone. Mm -hmm. If you're not playing right away, it's almost a disaster. And everyone looks at the pick like it it was a mistake. So what is the timeline for you? Like, like what is acceptable and the player that you see, like the potential there, how long down the road do you think it is until And maybe it's an impossible question, but how long until maybe that player that you are imagining could could actually be the guy we're watching?
0: Yeah, uh, to your last question, I think it'd probably be two or three years before you start really seeing what he can do. I mean, these guys get in the weight room and you're going to see pretty quick what they're going to become. The Thunder are very good about that. They're going to this guy's going to be fully focused on basketball only while he's here. And so I don't think it's going to take like five, six, seven years. I think we're probably talking like two or three years before you're like, oh, okay, I can see it now. And then as far as the timeline goes, I think it's laid out pretty simply. They've got some money on the books. They've got a little bit of space that they can use up before the draft. If they don't use it, it's going to pretty much be gone because Shay's extension is going to kick in. They're going to draft the second pick, which is going to eat up about $10 million in space. So they could use some of that now and absorb a couple more contracts. The Knicks is a, a team that people are talking about right now that the Thunder could take a couple contracts for them. But then after the season's over, next year, the Kimball Kimber Walker deal is gone. Derek Favors' deal is gone. They're going to have a boatload of cap space. They're going to have a, their third lottery pick in place. And they're gonna, there's a new collective bargaining agreement that's going to be signed in the summer of 2023. It could be a lockout. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But that, to me, is that above everything. And I think they actually lined up the cap space and the flexibility to, to be with the new collective bargaining agreement so that they can know the rules they're playing with. If you look back at the first iteration of the Thunder, they got screwed over by the league over and over again because the, the league was making new rules as they were trying to build their team. Kevin Durant's contract got changed overnight without them even knowing it. And like instantly they're paying Kevin Durant more money. Like, okay, what's going on here? Um, they, you know, the rule that they enacted after Kevin Durant left was that, that, you could extend them at a more reasonable amount. Well, that didn't happen until after Kevin left. So that kind of screwed them over. There were just a lot of things along the way. They didn't smooth the cap, which allowed um, Golden State to get Kevin Durant. So, I think if you're Sam, you kind of are beating your head against the wall. Like, okay, like every single time these rules are being changed, but it is, we're the ones that are losing. So I think if you're Sam, you look at it and say, I'm not making another move to make this team a championship contender until I know what the rules are. And so if he can understand what the rules are after they make a new CBA in 2023, then I think it's more favorable to take five first round picks and trade it for player X and then try to move this team forward with more pace. But until then, I just don't know that there's a reason to to go out and do anything like that.
1: What he's telling you, Ted is we're going to sit through another season of pain is, is what he's telling you and get ready. (sighs) Okay. Uh, Another tough subject. Lou Dort. Mm -hmm. Some rumors are out there, right? Whether it's Dort and 12 to move up to go get a player, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, does the Thunder want to pay him long term? So I guess my question for you is simple. After Thursday night, is Lou Dort a member of the Oklahoma City Thunder?
0: I think so. I think you look at the rumors that are out there, it's like Lou Dort and 12 for four. Well, if you're a Kings fan, if that's the deal they do, I think you're livid i think that's a horrible deal um i think if you're portland as well portland's got two small guards that they're going to start you think you want to add lou dort to that team you now they just traded for jeremy grant i don't i don't think so that doesn't make a lot of sense to me is is that the player that you're going to add to your team that's going to make you a western conference contender like i just don't think so uh so i think he probably is on the team after after this i also think a lot of this really depends on the negotiations that are happening behind the scenes. Is Lou Dort's agent pushing for twenty million? If he is, then maybe you are just trying to find a landing spot for him somewhere else with a team that would be willing to pay him that much money. If he's asking for fifteen, and he's just like, "Listen, I want just a reasonable deal that can keep me here. I want to play with Shea. I want to play with the franchise that gave me a chance." Uh, Lou was actually a Thunder fan growing up too, so I think that there may be. A reason for him to stick around and him wanting to so really to me it's more about those negotiations than anything because they can extend him this summer they can decline his option and then extend him this summer or they can pick up his option have another really cheap year of lou Dort and then try to give him a new contract when he's an unrestricted free agent next summer i think that's i think there you can make the case for both because they're going to have so much cap space. It's not really going to matter if they sign him to like a 15, like three year, $45 million contract. And then I think that they will know if they can bring him back as an unrestricted free agent next summer too. I don't think they would be afraid to do that because that would allow them the most flexibility with regards to team building next summer. That's kind of what I've been predicting all along is that they'll let him get to unrestricted free agency and still bring him back. Uh, That's, That's what I think is probably the most likely thing. But if they can lock him up on a cheaper deal, I think they'll do it. And if he is holding out and saying like, I don't, I want to be an unrestricted free agent. Now I want as much as you'll give me. I think they'll say, okay, we'll, we'll send you to the wizards or whatever.
2: What's the flip side of that. If you're looking at it as a, as a reason to make that move and move up, what would that be? Would it be possibly that, you know, we have a chance at a, at a developmental guy that maybe takes a little bit longer and helps us be bad next year, mm-hmm. right? And, and we've got another developmental guy and you stay young. Is that Would that be the thinking there that if you wanted to move
0: up? I think the thought would be if you have Dort and 12 and even an additional asset or whatever it would cost to move up that you just think that whoever is at six or seven or eight is just going to be a star. That's that to me is why you would do it. I don't know that you would do it just because I don't know that the draft is all that different at seven than it is at 12. I think you could probably get a player that's just as good at 12 as you could at eight. And so I, I wouldn't do the deal. I just don't think that it's going to be worth it at the end of the day. However, it's all about like Sam's evaluations on these guys. Like he has more information than any of us do, and if he thinks that like Jalen Duran is going to be a stud, then he'll go get him if he can. Uh, I mean, the guy that everybody wants to talk about, Shaden Sharp. I don't know if he's going to be any good in the NBA. I have no clue. But if Sam has enough information, and he might. How do you not know? He played so much (laughs) in college. (laughs) (laughs) That's just. I, I don't know. There's a lot of people out there that have a lot of certainty about Shaden Sharp. And I'm like, you just don't know what you're talking about because no one has any certainty on Shaden Sharp unless you're an NBA exec and you've actually sat down and talked to him. But yeah, maybe it's that guy. I mean, that's a big time swing because if he is as good as some of the people around him think he is, then he could be a star or he could be Gerald Green 2.0. Like, I don't know. If, if they can't move
1: up from twelve, who who do you think's in play there? Right, that that's kind of the territory. You know, when you look at all these mocks and these evaluations, like your AJ Griffin's, your Jeremy Sohans, Johnny Davis, uh, those type of guys. Uh, who, who do you think kind of fits the Thunder mold that
0: could be available at twelve? I think Sohan fits pretty well. He's real skilled on the offensive end as far as passing and ball handling goes for a big, and he's going to be one of the better defenders in this draft. I mean, if you can get him and Chet as like this tandem, I mean, that's the foundation of your defense for the next decade. I mean, it would would be really, really special if you could put those guys together. Now, Jeremy's going to have to shoot the ball. He's going to have to learn how to shoot the ball from the corner in particular. But I don't worry too much about him just because he knows how to stay involved in the offense. I mean, at Baylor, he wasn't just parked in the corner like we don't know what to do with you. You're so bad on offense. He's not Andre Robertson. He's not Tavo Cephalosha. He's a guy who likes to be involved in the action. He likes to do a lot of the same stuff that Draymond does where he's kind of at the nail and can distribute from there. Um, you're going to have to get a shooter on the wing with the with that crew i mean that's that's the deal is that if you draft jeremy you draft chet you are going to have to find a lights out shooter to play the three because otherwise you're going to have trouble creating space on the offensive end so i think that he's in play Uh, a lot of people like usman jang he played for the new zealand breakers he's 19 years old he's six foot 10 he's an interesting player A lot of people describe him as raw, which I think a lot of people tend to think raw means athletic and underdeveloped as a skilled player, but he's not, he's not that athletic. He's a little bit like Nicholas Batum, I guess would be maybe the best comp that I can think of for him where he's kind of this bigger ball handler that can distribute a little bit. He's a developing shooter. He shot the ball better at the end of the season there. I'm not a huge fan of him. I think he is a long-term project. I think he's a really big risk at that spot. Um, However, he was the most boring player I've ever talked to. So I'm sure that Sam Presti loves him. Um, (laughs) So those guys are definitely in play. I think if Shaden Sharp fell to 12, I think it's a worthwhile risk. I don't know that they would take Johnny Davis out of Wisconsin, I love Johnny Davis. I think that dude is just a baller. He competes at such a high level. Defensively, he's just a a maniac. And then I think he's going to be able to hit uh, a three off ball. I think he can handle in a pinch. I think he can attack a closeout. And to me, he's just a winner. Like, I just love that guy. I don't know that they take him because they don't really need a guard. But to me, if he's there, I mean, that would be one of my guys. And he was in a Taco Bell commercial, which uh, that's pretty cool. He sure was landed that before he even got
1: drafted that's know. impressive. You know, <laughs> that that's a great representation i
0: know how many guys do you think they called before they got to a yes from johnny davis like <sighs> we want to do an nba draft commercial who Get are we going to guys
1: from duke yeah oh, they don't want to do it <laughs> God, that, that carolina gonzaga mm-hmm. no yeah wisconsin that right <laughs>
0: the wisconsin guy said yes all right bring him in
2: <laughs> all right well not necessarily thunder centric, uh, but I guess it could be. What are the big things that are just kind of rumors at this point that could happen on draft night, big names, um, you know, big moves up, big moves back. Uh, Just anything out there that you're hearing that would be like a wow moment on draft night.
0: So, I mean, the Hawks are definitely trying to do stuff. They, they, They did not like the way their season ended last year. They did not like the way their season went period. Uh, John Collins is a big part of that. John Collins is going to be traded, whether it's on draft night, I don't know, but he will be traded this summer. That's going to happen. And I think that they would like to package John Collins in 16 to move up. Now that is definitely not a thunder related rumor. The thunder are not going to try to acquire John Collins. Uh, Although there is like a a reasonable fit there with the team. I just don't think they're going to do that. So, but that's something to watch. Certainly Uh, you have a team like Charlotte who's got 13 and 15. They want a big man. I don't know if I think they want Jalen Duran, who may or may not be there at 13. So you could see them move 13 and 15 up to 10 or up to nine. I think that that's something to watch for. Uh, New Orleans has a few guys circled. They really want Dyson Daniels. I think they really want Ben Matherin out of Arizona. And if, if both those guys are gone, which I think is very possible, you could see them trade back. I think that that is the most likely trade-up team with the Thunder is New Orleans, where they could make some kind of deal that is maybe future asset-based, or I don't know what player they'd want from the Thunder, but you know I think that there'd be a conversation there about that the Thunder to to move up to eight to take whoever they like there Uh, I mean those are definitely things and then the Knicks are desperately trying to get cap space whether or not they're willing to use 11 to acquire cap space I don't know so this is where the Thunder could come into play where they just take Evan Fournier off their hands and maybe they could get 11 or some kind of future pick I mean honestly if you can get any future pick that belongs to the Knicks you're doing pretty good so I would expect it to be a future pick if, it, if that does happen and not be 11. Uh, but that's something to watch for as well. I think there could be some activity. And then the Kings. Like, the Kings are going to be the Kings. They're going to do something dumb. I don't know if that's taking the wrong guy. I don't know if that's going to be trading out. But the Kings are going to perpetually be the Kings.
1: That, that's a tremendous way of putting it. Andrew, I know you're extremely busy right now, man. You've been on everything. <laughs> that I've been listening to but thanks for coming on man we really appreciate it and enjoy draft night man the oh, work it, can't the, wait. the work is almost over
0: that's right i can't wait it's going to be so fun if you live in oklahoma city you should come join us at faster hall in downtown okc from 6 to 10 it's going to be a, an absolute blast
2: this will be the first time since uh steven adams was drafted that i will have heard of a player that we're taking <laughs> This is the first time. It's been a
0: while. It's been a while. <laughs> it's going to be fun. It's going to, I mean, honestly, this year and next year will, should be like the foundation of the next Thunder team. And so it's kind of cool to make some kind of memory with regards to what they do. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. Let's hope it goes well. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate it.
1: It's going to be Chet. I'm just going to, I'm going to have to learn to love him. I, he, I, I'll say this Andrew sold me. I'm team Chet. Here we go. Here we go. Let's go, Chet. Big homering, homering guy right here. This guy,
2: big home green guy. That's, that's the pick I want just because I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting. Definitely. Um, Chet is, uh, I, I don't know, because I'm not totally sold on it. I'm not totally sold. And that's okay. I don't need to be. I don't, know, I don't know much about the basketball world. Um, I have my questions, but I think it would be a lot of fun to see a guy like that develop into a star.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I just wonder how many people are going to think he's foreign because they're going to think it's not Chet. It's like
2: Shea <laughs> Holmgren, you know? <laughs> yeah, but, I think whenever Presti picture the draft, automatically you get a new pronunciation of your name. <laughs>
1: You're automatically an international player, right? Yeah. I don't know. All right. Let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first
2: it's time to get back out on the golf course people. And there's nothing better to drink on the course than the number one seltzer in golf clubby seltzers. Clubby seltzers is an Oklahoma company that is already winning national awards because their product is delicious. It tastes exactly like a club special, but it's a seltzer. They're not just for the golf course either. They're perfect to drink by the pool, after mowing the lawn, whatever. If you haven't tried Clubby Seltzers yet, go grab some. You won't regret it. Clubby's first variety pack is out. So go find some. To find a place near you that has Clubby's, visit ClubbySeltzers.com.
1: We've got uh, my son's first birthday party on Saturday. Golf theme. Clubbies will be had. (laughs) They will be had plenty that's, of them there's other small brokerage. children coming
2: that's going to be great yes pass those around to the dads yeah and
1: attention business owners you need insurica in your life yeah you do insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout oklahoma texas and the southwest insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from any insurance carriers They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at insurica.com. That's I N S U R I C A dot com. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week?
2: Oh, you baseball baby. We're in the final series. Amazing. The run these guys are on is just incredible. Uh, another victory. Cruz over a uh, and Sandlin was, uh, was on it. His stuff was uh, just beautiful. Dude,
1: you talk about setting the damn tone. Yeah. Coming out there in the first and just mowing them down.
2: That was Crazy. awesome. I didn't realize this, but um, Sandlin and uh, Horton, the two games that they've had, I think Sandlin had 12 strikeouts. Kate Horton had 11. You know, those two games are the most strikeouts in a college World Series game in Omaha since Mark Redman in 94. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah, it's insane. And they both did it. Back-to-back games for OU. And not to bring up something
1: sad, but like Sandlin, didn't his sister pass away? I think it was you know, just a couple weeks ago. I remember reading something about it in in the Tulsa world, and that's just – it's almost one of those, you know, meant to be like that kid deserved that performance. And, like, he was so clutch. Man, like, he had some situations, right? I think it was the fourth inning where he gives up – gave up the two hits to start the inning. Yeah. But then bounces back with back-to-back-to-back strikeouts. And he – I think he did it like in the second as well. Like he was when it looked like he could get into a jam, he just struck guys out. Yep. And I mean, anytime AM was threatening, he just he just shut the door on him. It was it was so impressive. It was so impressive to me. And I'm not I'm not here to act like I'm some baseball aficionado and I'm watching hundreds of games a year or anything, but I understand this about sports. When, when you are desperate, when your back's against the wall, when it is win or go home, you, you have a sense of urgency that usually heightens your performance. A&M had that, right? That was a desperate team, right? They had to win or they were going home. OU was not in that situation. It's only natural to be, some people say, oh, you're more relaxed, but when you're, you're on that edge, that sense of urgency, that's where you want to be, really, in my opinion, in sports. And Sandlin just said, sorry, guys, not today. We I mean, just absolutely shut him down.
2: Yep. He was, he was working it. Um, you know, the bats were, were good again. Jimmy Crooks drops another bomb. Uh, he's, he's on one right now. Just a fun team. Everyone contributes, everyone's playing well. They haven't been perfect, but they've been dang near perfect. And it's you know, was a a big time game and frankly they turned it into a snoozer, which is good. That's what you so boring. Yeah, that's what the last three innings. It and it was just it went by quick and you look up and it's like, oh, they're you know, they're nine outs away. Oh, they're five outs away. Oh, they're two outs away. Let's end it with a nice, tidy little double play here to wrap things up. I mean, it's just clean baseball, aggressive baseball. They're getting it from everyone. And honestly, the setup could not have worked out better. They've got their one, two, and three guys all going to be working on full rest for game one, game two, and if necessary, game three. All guys are coming off of great performances. They're feeling good. Confidence level is high. You couldn't ask for anything better right now.
1: I I agree, and I, I feel like we need to talk about this when it comes to OU baseball. There seems to be this group of OU baseball fans that aren't fans of other OU fans now cheering for OU baseball? They're like, you're not real OU baseball fans. To those people, I say, relax. Okay. Just, just relax. We're all on the same team here. Yeah. Hey, you may be – listen, I have never pretended that I watch every OU baseball game. No, I, I am very honest. I get my OU baseball knowledge from Toby Rowland and Eddie Radosovich. And I watch a couple games now and then, you know, when they started getting things rolling. Yeah. If you want to call me a bandwagon fan, like, listen, I've been going to OU games since I can walk. I ain't on any bandwagon. So you can shut the hell up with that. (laughs) I, I, I will say like, I understand what some of those people like, Oh, you haven't been riding with us the whole season. Sorry. Like, can't we all just get along? We're all OU fans. I don't understand this weird animosity between what seems to be this small group. uh, It seemed to, at at points of time, seem to be angry. And maybe it's because some of the things are, you know, critical, some of the posts on social media and stuff like that. But, I mean, who's got anything negative to
2: say about this team right now, Ted? Well, I I get it.
1: Oh, I totally get it.
2: I understand because there's a, 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 a core group that has been there rain or shine, good and bad, thick and thin, no matter what. And you've you've been grinding all of this time with the baseball team, sometimes mad at them, sometimes happy, but always there. And I understand that now everyone else is is, is gonna show up and celebrate what you've been waiting on this whole time. You've been waiting on it for 25 years. Everyone else that's showing up has been waiting on it for five minutes. I understand completely, but that's the nature of the beast. You know, you, you have, uh, it's the same thing in basketball. Basketball goes to the final four. There's, there's a ton of people that start to show up. Softball, same thing. They've been winning like crazy now. It's the hottest ticket in town. When you win, that's what happens. Why? Because you got a massive group of OU fans, right? They're OU fans. There's going to be a bunch of people that show up in Omaha that aren't baseball fans. They're OU fans. And they're going to go to whatever OU event is happening at the time that's drawing the attention that's winning games that has a chance to 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 go to a national championship that's how it goes they're OU fans now football has way more hardcore than baseball does hopefully the numbers start to grow with baseball but you know that's what's that's what's going to happen at a place like Oklahoma they're not necessarily bandwagon fans because they've always been OU fans they're just going to what team is on the hunt at the moment.
1: Yeah. And I I think a lot of us, listen, I, I went to my first game, OU game, I think in 95. And I went to every home game in 95, in 96, in 97, in 98. So I... I understand, I understood at a very young age what it's like to support a team that's not winning a lot, is not having a ton of success, and then, boom. I never, like, when things took off, and you, obviously, those were your teams, when things took off, I never thought, oh, you people weren't grinding with my six-year-old self back in 96, like, I don't know, it's just, it. Yeah, the same just,
2: thing happened.
1: Everyone I, should be in a good mood about OU baseball right now is maybe what I'm trying to say.
2: Right. And I, I I do understand it, but my hope is that this ignites something. And I I don't expect next year that all of a sudden the stands are going to be completely full for early season games in late February. All right. I, I, I it's that's not my expectation, but I do expect there to be more people than there was this year in the year previous. And I do expect that there's going to be more eyeballs on it. And I do expect that there's going to be more money channeled that way. And I think this is, this is going to be good for OU baseball hundred percent.
1: Yeah. Uh, speaking of more money channeled that way. OU announced a $5 million gift from Brian and Kim. I'm going with Kimry. I think so. Kimry. That's how I've been saying it. Yeah. uh, A couple from Bartlesville. uh, That'll go to the L L Dale Mitchell stadium renovation. So this run, (laughs) I saw, I saw skip Johnson's tweet and I was like, Oh boy, someone got a donation. And then this came out shortly, shortly after. So other, the only thing that was better than that was Crooks, dad hitting the cameraman with that finger gun uh on ESPN that was after I think it was after his second hit in the game it wasn't the homer it was the next one I think he he just hit the finger oh it was it was dad swag to the max man it was fantastic
2: that's great so much fun I'm glad that I'm glad that they're enjoying it I'm glad the fans are enjoying it I'm glad that the fruits are already coming in and I, I saw the Uh, the rendering of like what the the baseball facility is going to look like whenever it's done. Looks pretty good, man. Looks really good.
1: Yeah. All right. Who'd you have as your loser of the week?
2: I had to go with Roger Goodell. Um, Now he was up in front of Congress and it was interesting. First of all, I don't even know why he's there. Is this really something that Congress needs to be spending time on, um, you know, there's a million other things going on. Why do we need – why do they need to get to the bottom of what's going on with the Washington Redskins? Is every single business out there that has some issue going to go and and comment in front of Congress think it's stupid? But anyways, whenever he was there, I thought it was so funny. He got asked why Dave Portnoy is um, – banned from NFL games. And he said, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> and <laughs> he was, I guess he was under oath. And now there's like this big campaign about, he's just committed perjury. by <laughs> he, saying that. He lied under oath. <laughs> he lied under oath. I thought it was so funny. And it's just a dumb look. I'm sure he was, like, on the list of things that, hey, this might get brought up, I don't think on that list they came up with Dave Portnoy uh, being banned from NFL games. So I think he was probably shocked at the moment. But I will not be convinced that he doesn't know anything about that. That I thought that was awesome and just another, another in a long line of bad looks for Roger Goodell.
1: Yeah, and he basically went up there and was like, I can't really do anything about Dan Snyder. I'm sorry.
3: <laughs> <laughs> right. It's not up
1: to me. And all the Congress people were just peppering him. How, maybe my favorite part of the video is just like how uncomfortable he looked the entire time. He did not look like he was having any fun at all,
2: at uh, all. I, well, it's got to be miserable. You know, you've got people th- that You should have are- just
1: pulled a Snyder and not showed up.
2: Yeah. I don't know why he would show up. It's, I don't know. I think it's just the biggest waste of time ever. I have no idea why he's there, while any elected official gives any rip whatsoever what's going on there. So dumb.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure Goodell, that was only, you know, the, what was it? 20 of 24 for Deshaun Watson settled. Did you see that? So now yeah. he's, you talk about, he, he was testifying in Congress. Now he's got that situation where they probably had a pretty good idea of what they were going to do. Now you've got 20 of those 24 cases, of civil cases settled with Watson. I, Goodell's probably like, man, what a week.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm fascinated to see what goes down with that. Um, I don't know. Some people are saying that they're, they expect a significant, Suspension, but I don't even know what that means. I mean, six games is significant. Now, I don't think it's significant for Deshaun Watson's situation, but six games is still a significant suspension for a player and for a team. So I don't know what that means. Like, is a year suspension? Is that significant? Is that what they're talking about? I, I don't know. I'm fa- I'm fascinated to see what what comes down.
1: Yeah, that is that's kind of a, the storyline that's kind of looming. Over the entire NFL season. So we'll, we'll see. All right, let's get to my winner and loser.
2: But first, first Fidelity bank is a full service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information.
1: And if you are a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcony's products. you got to grab some of Balcony's Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate. And you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey
2: it's made from blue he forgot corn. That's he the forgot. fancy corn no
1: oh. it's made from the blue <laughs> corn that's the fancy corn and that is why it has won more than 25 awards last but certainly not least you got to buy some of balcone's pot still bourbon it's big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round yeah you can drink it when it's going to be 104 degrees this weekend Whew. remember in 2012 Balcones single malt won the best in glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and Macallan, It became the first American distillery to win the competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balconi's products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit BalconesDistilling.com. All right, for my winner of the week, this one is, this is very personal. Thought about going with minivans because Ted drove home from Dallas, uh, Dallas to OKC in a Chrysler town and country rental car. And my God.
2: Amazing, right?
1: What an efficient and practical, easy to operate, handled well. What a piece of machinery. Amazing. That minivan. I don't think I'll ever be able to convince my wife to let us have one. But I'm a firm believer, like, everyone with kids should have one of those. In and out with the car seat, so easy. Just the convenience, the the just low-key elegance. I mean, there was so much space. It was me, my wife, my one-year-old son in his car seat, my sister-in-law. We had all been gone for more than three weeks. We had like 10 suitcases in that thing too. No problem. And plenty of space for activities. It's incredible. They're,
2: they're amazing. I used to do a uh, my radio show from this Dodge dealership, and they always had some of those, like either the town and country or the Pacifica there. And I, on breaks, I'd go sit in and be like, this is just, this is amazing all of the TVs in there. They've got everything you could ever ask for. I wish I, could, I wish I could just force my ego to shut up and drive one. That would be the best thing ever. I, I see guys driving minivans, and I envy those men. I do. I, I envy
1: having that confidence. I know. I, I will say, my wife fell asleep last night. I looked at Toyota Sienna's, internet. like the premium Toyota Sienna <laughs> we for were, like a we- solid 20 minutes.
2: I watched the YouTube video, like the YouTube door of the interior. Okay, we took an Uber in Orlando from Disney World to the airport in a Toyota Sienna. And I, did, I was like, hey, this is awesome. Because we had six people in it. And everyone's luggage, it all fit in the back in an area like this big. Somehow all the luggage fit in there. Everyone was spread out. I was like, this thing is awesome. And I was looking up prices, I was watching <laughs> they're, videos. They're like half the price of the car that you drive, dude. I know. I know it. It was, it's, that's hilarious. <laughs>
1: uh, maybe I may reach out to our friends at Fowler Toyota and just inquire. Just see what the Sienna inventory is looking like. I, no promises. I just just want to take a look. You know, maybe maybe drive it a little bit. You know, I'm just just saying. But my winner of the week, Live Golf. Strong week for Greg Very Norman strong. and yep. the crew. Uh, now we we thought them applying for official World Golf Ranking points. We thought that was going to be the big story this week. That was like the fifth thing on the list of big things for that new tour live golfers. They're going to be allowed to play in the open here in in mid July, which is, which is big news for them. So they just got to play in the U S open. Now they're getting to play in the open championship. And then you had some names, names come over and join the live golf tour. And one of them is an OU man, Abe answer. And I thought a statement that he released was interesting, right? Said playing in live would allow him to spend more time with his family and friends said it would allow him to spend more time and invest more time back, uh, in his home country of Mexico. Uh, he's an OU guy. We got to support him, but this is a guy that, you know, is the top 20 player in the world yeah. has been playing some really, really good golf. So when I saw that, I bet, I bet the live people were fired up, a little international flavor. They're like, you know, a, a Mexican-American, you know, dual citizen there. That uh, I'm sure they're really really uh, pleased with that and also the guy, he's a hell of a
2: golfer, right? Yep. No, no doubt about that. They may not even know about the tequila yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, he's that's awesome. Um can't blame him. Uh fewer tournaments, more money more time back in Mexico, more time with family and friends. Hey, it's, you know, guys are going to make those decisions. And I think it's going to be more younger guys making those decisions. I mean, you got to face it. This day and age, far fewer people are caught up in the um, the traditions, the, you know, the the stories and the legacies, and it's more about, hey, I don't want to do this forever. I want to make as much money as I can right now and set myself up, set my family up, and that's kind of where things are. Now, the longer guys have been on tour, the more reputation and name they've built for themselves, well, they may be a little bit more invested in what that legacy means and what the tradition means because they want to be a part of it. The younger guys coming out, they want the quick buck.
1: Yeah, and I, when, when the the live golf model was originally being discussed, where it was left, less golf for more money, the first person I thought of was Brooks Kepkin. Because I, I had heard him go on podcasts and talk about how, like, he doesn't golf in the offseason. And he thinks golf should be 12 holes or 13 holes instead of 18 holes. And, like, sometimes he just, like, blacks out on the, the back nine. Is like, wait, where am I? Oh, so it was – he was the, the first guy I was like, that sounds like something Kepka would be interested in. But then he had the pressure at the U.S. Open, which is kind of hilarious now where he, he's basically blaming the media to their faces – for creating what he called a black cloud over the U S open with all the conversation about live. And then a couple of days later, he (laughs) jumps and goes and joins. I mean, it's it's just, it's hilarious. And there's no way he didn't know he was going to make this move at that point in time. Like, I can't believe he was able to say that with a straight face. That's, that's impressive. (laughs) It really is. But he's a four-time major winner and He's only, what, 32 years old? Now he's had the injuries, right? And they're starting to pile up for him. But he's the number 19 player in the world. And that's... He's a name. Like, yeah. Abe Answer, I think, personally, right now, is a better golfer than Brooks Kepka with what Koepka's dealing with physically. But Brooks Koepka's a name. Like, that's, that's a big get. He's one of the most popular guys on the tour.
2: And... Everyone loved the Kepka, DeChambeau beef that was going on last year, right? That was a big deal.
1: It was and the most ta- – other than Tiger, of course. It was the most talked-about thing in golf.
2: I bet they try – I bet they recreate that somehow. Just let them fight. I bet they recreate it, and I, that gets a lot of people it, kind of locked in to where they watch, and – Kind of off you go. It it, 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 I don't know. It's, it's really interesting.
1: Maybe the biggest thing that happened is the reaction the PGA Tour had. I, I mean, because in Golf Digest, they had all the details, right? And they put them out there. There was a meeting on Tuesday with Monahan and all the players, mandatory, right? There at the Travelers in Connecticut. And basically starting in 2023, the PGA tour schedule, it's going to, and this sounds awfully familiar. It will include eight limited field, no cut events with purses of $20 million or more uh, for the top 50 finishers in the prior season's FedEx cup standings. Huh? Eight events, ton of prize money, uh, trying to get all the best players. Huh? Sounds like is that
2: is that is that something that that LIV golf is, has done? If I was a player sitting in that meeting, I would have said, "You sons of bitches, are you kidding me?" So, you could have been increasing the purses all along, huh? Could have been doing it all along. But now, only after some pressure And after some guys are leaving to go elsewhere, now you want to raise the purse. Ah, isn't that interesting? Amazing that before long uh, or not too long ago, hey, be happy at what we're giving you. Look at what the purses were before Tiger Woods. This is the greatest time ever for golf. Be happy with what you're getting. Amazing. I, it, it just goes to show you everything that they've said is, it's just crap. It may, it, it's so frustrating to me that they've, the way that they've handled this and the, what they've said about the players that have left, um, what they've said about their reputations, all of that, and then now you're going to start offering the same type of stuff. It's just it's amazing.
1: It's funny how that works, huh? All right, for my loser of the week, I thought about going with any haters of the Golden State Warriors because they looked like they were having a damn blast at that parade. Draymond Green. I mean, these guys, as they should be, just wasted. Draymond Green just drunk on the mic, cussing up a storm in front of kids. Got no problem with it, by the way. Did you see uh, Steph Curry looking drunk as a skunk took a picture with that actual goat? it was wearing a Curry Jersey. I mean, what an oh incredible picture.
2: Uh, it was crazy. Uh, wild event. Those <laughs> sometimes there's nothing happens out of a championship parade. Other times it's like, Oh wow. What a scene. And this kind of worked its way into one of those. What a scene. It wasn't quite Tom Brady throwing the Super Bowl, uh, trophy across the channel or uh, spray painting riot horses in Philadelphia, but it was still a good one.
1: I give me all of the drunk Clay Thompson content. I want it. I mean, (laughs) all of the things that happened to that dude, first of all, loses the championship hat on the boat, flies off his head on the way to the parade and was filming himself while it happened. Just incredible content. I mean, just incredible. Then guy is just chugging. Hennessy. And I mean Hennessy is not my favorite, but he was he was getting after it. Did a Michael Jackson dance in the middle of the street with the championship trophy. What else did he do? Oh, did you see the video of him tripping and truck sticking the lady?
2: Yeah, amazing. Amazing.
1: It amazing. was awesome.
2: I just liked it that that lady's walk. It, it's almost like It's almost like I was watching a movie or a video game and it was just a a planted person in a scene because she just walks with her cup directly like it was all planned into his path. Hilarious. She gets flattened. Instantly was probably super pissed off, and then it's like, oh, hey, Clay. What's (laughs) up, Clay?
1: (laughs) I'm sure a signed jersey or something is coming her way in in the mail, but yeah, do you see he like, he's going to talk. It looks like he's going to talk to fans and he, and his championship ring falls off and like goes underneath the barricade. I mean, the guy was a mess. It was awesome. And then Draymond put a video out of, it looked after the parade. He's like in the hot tub at the facility. He's like, my body needs this (laughs) man. It was, I mean, he is, he is so likable. It's awesome. Uh, I also thought, about going, what, going with anyone that said the
2: Tampa Bay Lightning were dead. Ooh, they bounced <laughs> back, and uh, not only did they win the game, they beat the hell physically out of one of the Avalanche guys. That was, uh, that was wild.
1: Yeah, so they win game three, six to two. Game four is going on right now uh, as we're recording, and Tampa Bay's up two to one with – eight minutes to go in the second period. So we'll, we'll see how that one ends up. But yeah, nice bounce back by the back-to-back defending champs. But my loser of the week, Rob Gronkowski. And I know that sounds weird, but he retired for a second time. And I just feel like no one believes him. <laughs> I mean, even his agent, even his agent was like, ah, you know, it's just my opinion, but I wouldn't be surprised if he comes out of retirement if Tom asked him to during the season like i he is and and maybe it's because we you know we gave him all his praise when he retired for the first time back and what was that like 2018 or whatever it was yeah and and we we all kind of unloaded our our content our grunt content then but he's undoubtedly one of the best tight ends ever right 92 total touchdowns that's only behind Tony Gonzalez and Antonio Gates. Saw an ESPN. He is the only tight end ever. Three seasons of 1,000 yards and 10-plus touchdowns. Wow. And he was an incredible blocker. Yep. I mean, just Especially he was a—
2: early. Before he, before he acquired all the injuries, he was a beast on the line of scrimmage.
1: A- absolutely. And when a guy of his caliber announces a retirement, like there's supposed to be a certain reaction, and that reaction has not happened because it's the second time he's retired and i feel like everyone's like ah you're coming back man i mean come on i mean come on you didn't even hold a press conference you just put out a little one page social media post we don't think now maybe the thing that brady put out there you know talk about him heartfelt statement from from tom maybe that means it's actually it's it's for real but i it just He's one of the best players ever in his position. He retires and everyone's like, eh, we don't believe you. Well right. we'll see you. We'll see you when you come back. Rob, thanks.
2: Yeah, even I my first reaction was, ah, he's just trying to get out of training camp. He don't want to have <laughs> exactly. to go through training camp. He's he wants to show up, you know, four or five weeks into the season. To, depending on how the start of the year went. If it looks like maybe they're gonna win a Super Bowl, maybe he'll show up. But no, there's no doubt. I honestly I think he's probably done. I think he's probably done. He's, um, he's got a lot of hard miles on him. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, he's, he's not nearly what he once was. He's still effective at times. But, you know, I just – I kind of get the feeling that he's probably ready to move on.
1: Yeah, and the reality of it is he would make more money doing media stuff. Then he will get paid playing.
2: Probably right. Yeah.
1: And as because he's the pain,
2: some of those guys now, whew.
1: he's, I mean, he's hilariously entertaining. Yeah. So uh, there, there's a lot of money waiting on him in, in the media space. So I, I'm sure he's got stuff lined up already, but if it's the last time we've seen Gronk, hell of a football player, man, Yep. hell of a football player and a hell of a career. And a lot of rings, so it, it may it may or may not be the last time we see him. But didn't get quite the reaction I was I'm sure he was expecting, and he didn't thank the Patriots or any Patriots fans in
2: it. It was oh. just like a Bucks retirement, and Patriots fans were
1: killing him about it.
2: Yeah, well, I don't know. I think he will. Whenever it's it, it, it whenever it gets to that, he'll maybe. I, I was going to say he'll get what he deserves as far as a, a send away, but I don't know. It's kind of hard. What? It, it's like, I don't know. It's like you can't really have uh, like two celebrations for the same thing at do, two different times, right? I and mean, once you do the first retirement, you're never really going to get anyone to really jump back on board with the big you know, let's redo this thing all over again. But he is awesome. Guaranteed Hall of Famer.
1: Yep. And on that note, episode 225. Can you believe we've done 225 of these?
2: It's crazy. It's crazy.
1: I feel like it's still still going well.
2: It's fresh. It still feels fresh, man. We just started this thing. Just started, baby.
1: And we'll have a new podcast that will drop monday morning hopefully we're celebrating the know you baseball national championship i hope so I just hope a reminder so. you can hear teddy from three to six on 94 7 the ref you can hear me on SiriusXM big 12 radio channel 375 hope you all have a great rest of your week have a fantastic weekend stay cool out there people drink lots of water water in between each alcoholic beverage it's good <laughs> it's a good formula until next time we appreciate y'all for listening Do we always do, Oklahoma? Take care of each other.
3: one wow.